One of our favorite mountain passes has a washout, and it's closed for a long time, probably. Uh, A major motorcycle shop has changed its name. VW is selling Ducati, and a top-notch flat track racer is teaching classes out in Spokane. It's all coming up next on the Soundwriter Show. Support for Soundwriter and the Soundwriter Show is made possible in part by... Skagit Power Sports, where you'll find one of the largest selections of new and used motorcycles, apparel, and gear in the North Sound. Skagit Power Sports provides a relaxed atmosphere and no-pressure sales staff to get you into your next bike simply and quickly. And that's why they are consistently voted the top dealer in the Pacific Northwest by Sound Riders year after year. Visit them in Burlington today or find them online at SkagitPowerSports.com. Hello, everybody. This is Lee from Racer Gloves USA. Welcome to the Sound Rider Show. And now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of the Sound Rider Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Fellow riders, welcome to the Sound Rider Show with an episode that has been brining all month long here in this Pacific <laughs> Northwest weather. We're talking about the May episode, and we're starting to hit it. We're starting to get a groove a little bit. We're seeing summertime in our sights. There's a ton on the calendar. There's a ton of news bites. There's a ton of stuff going on. And we're happy that you're going to join us here. I mean, this is great stuff, and I'm ready to roll. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing good. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm loving that branding going on. Yep, you know. <laughs> well, it's that season, right? you got to make sure you, you really prepare yourself for the summertime weather, and I feel it. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to kickstart this thing and get out there and do some riding. So the secret behind that is is that we are brining ribs as we speak, and we'll be indulging in some... Uh, Home, homemade ribs That's here right, yeah. after the show. Well, we always like to celebrate a little bit after our uh, after our episodes here. Sometimes it's Mexican food. Uh, today it's ribs, though, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, because yeah. it's hard to find good ribs anywhere. You know it is. Yeah, if you have uh, some good rib suggestions maybe to ride to, you can uh, you can let us know. That'd be, uh, that'd be a great thing there to was, know about. Uh, there was somebody who used to do like a grand tour, and all you had to do was go to 20 barbecue joints yeah. in the state. <laughs> But, well, good luck finding them. I mean, that's a uh, that's a big number here in the Pacific Northwest. But, you know, we've got some actual news going on here and some really good stuff to talk about. And uh, it sounds like you've been out riding. What have you been doing, Tom? So, uh, you know, we had that Wild Horse Wind Farm meetup at the 1st of April. Right, yeah. And that was, I guess I would say that was my first real ride of the year. Sure. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Good, I went good. out. It was pouring rain all the way between Seattle and Snoqualmie Pass. It's beautiful. But I knew it was going to let up and be a, a, a partly sunshiny day out there in uh, <clears throat> in the Vantage area. Sure. And uh, I, got, I got off I-90 and started working my way up to the wind farm. And as soon as I hit that road, that Vantage Highway, I just got the smile across my yeah, face. Yeah, you could feel it. It felt so good. All the way down so in your rib bones, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it tickled my ribs. Yeah. Well, I tell you, was that part of the inspiration? You did a great piece in uh, the uh, the magazine last month on some of the gear review. You were talking about yeah. some of your jackets and gloves and that kind of stuff I thought was uh, a really worthwhile read. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, I, I, uh, I went up. 
I got up to North Bend and I pulled out and had a cup of coffee. Sure. And then uh, I had it up over the pass and it was just gushing rain. In uh, fact, yeah. uh, one of my friends who was on the way out there turned around and didn't go. Oh, wow. So um, I felt bad for anybody who did that. And quite honestly, um, I was the only one who went from Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, coming across the pass is a challenge. And I'm if that early in April, even especially this year, I'm surprised to hear that you made it on anything less than a timber sled. But it sounds like you had the right gear. You had some heated stuff, the heated seat going on, right? Yeah, there wasn't some... any snow or anything. That's it was just good. wet. Yeah. It was wet, and I guess it was cold, but when you have a heated seat and heated grips or a heated gloves, which I didn't fire up the gloves or the jacket. I wow, just, uh, just the seat. I just used the seat and uh, grips, and I was good. Yeah, and that uh, seat is coming from Rich out at Rich's Custom Seats, right? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Rich nice. put that in there, and then I had to do the wiring myself. So if you ever have Rich do a uh, heated seat for you, yeah. you can expect to have to do the tech work yourself for hooking it up. You no, know, it makes you a little more invested in the project and uh, a little more motivation to get out there and ride on those cold days days knowing that uh, your blood, sweat, and tears went into that, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But it sounds like a good ride out there anyway, huh? It was really nice. Good, good. I'm looking forward to more good rides. Uh, Been doing other stuff too. Yeah. Um, Went down to the Gorge. Cool. Did a recon down there. Nice. I did that by way of the car because we went out and did a visit a few dealers on the way. Connie came with me. We were going to camp at the fairground. Sure. At Hood River. Yeah. And it was so – they had so much water this year Rough. in the ground that they wouldn't let us take our car out onto the grass. Really? Because it would just sink. It's like a swamp land out there. And they really didn't want us pitching a tent <laughs> Well, I wouldn't think that you would want to pitch a tent in that so much. Well, I would do yeah. it, but Connie didn't want to do it. Sure. So I said, uh, get on the phone with the end of the white salmon and ask them if they have a room for the next two nights. Right. And they came through, and they had it. Oh, well, so, good to have those, those connections, guys. yeah. Well, how was the uh, the tour down there? Because it's hard to believe. I mean, we're in May, and August is coming up fast. We're looking at the 2017 Rally in the Gorge. I mean, it's right in front of us. Four months to go. Yeah. Actually, five. Not that you're counting. That's right. Well, I'm yeah. counting it. <laughs> I'm counting it. It's five months to go. Uh, I said to Connie, you know, well, if we're going to stay over at the end of the White Salmon, we got to really make this trip worth it. Yeah. And we did. Good. Uh, we connected with the people from Moscow Moto. Awesome. And there may be some surprises in store for uh, what's going to happen in the evenings at the rally Great. on Friday and Saturday night. And that's in conjunction with them. It uh, looks like they'll be giving us some stuff, some nice door prizes and some nice uh, auction items. Sure. Uh, who else did we connect with? We connect with the people at Fun Country who supported us last year on one of the meals. Great. That's where. Uh, where is that dealership located? That's in the Dallas. That's in the Dallas, right? Okay. Yeah. And the reason that you don't see all these dealers at the rally in the summer is because they're too busy. Yeah. And I don't blame them. You know, they're they're too busy out there selling bikes, and they got a lot of service work going on, and they just can't come in and be there. But but that's okay. It's, you know, they're going to support us with some sponsorship money. Yep. And that's going to help substitute some of the the spending on the meals and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, we spent a long time out at the cash and carry store in the Dallas. Sure. Uh, poking around and and figuring out you know where things are so when we go shopping for the Moto Mojo KFA that's it and we're gonna have everything we need for that yeah coming up a few changes this year right and uh, we're gonna be bringing some food on site it sounds like so uh, definitely looking forward to that and you know it's just great to hear things already coming together and some different stuff too so if you've come before 
you know, get ready and sign up again because every year is a little bit different, right? And yeah, and you know, remember you're hearing us five months in advance. Yeah. So we're really here planning. I mean, frankly, we have the menu laid out for the Moto Mojo Cafe five months in advance. Yep. And we know where the food is coming from. We know how we're going to prep it. By the time I actually get to the rally and we get working in the kitchen, I probably will have already done this a hundred times in my head. Yeah, it's a well-oiled machine, right? So uh, we're gonna we're gonna make that on-site food totally worth it this year. Well, you know, before the rally in the gorge, though, just coming up over the next few months, and I guess after that, too, uh, there's a lot of other Soundrider events going on. Why don't you give us a quick update on maybe Sasquatch and Road Trip? Okay, so the Road Trip is coming up uh, in two weeks from today, um, and what will happen is we'll all meet up out in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Sweet. On Sunday night. If, if you haven't signed up for the tour yet and you want to take it, you can sign up still online. And uh, if you decide you just want to show up, uh, you will meet us in Coeur d'Alene on Sunday evening. And you can email me, uh, sreditor at soundwriter.com, right. for the coordinates of where to meet everybody and where, where it's going to kick off on Sunday night. And then, uh, or if, if you can't make it in until Monday morning, that's okay too. In fact, we have a writer who's just not going to make it there until Tuesday, so I'm giving him hey. the coordinates of where to meet us on Tuesday night. Well, you know, it's still, I mean, uh, at the price for Sasquatch, it's like, even if you're just going to do one day. Oh, this is road trip. Road trip, excuse me, yeah. Uh, but uh, at the price for road trip, even if you can just do one or two days, you can still get a lot of value out of it. So yeah, exactly. And we have people for... who come on the tours, and they, they'll pop in for a day or two, and then they'll, they'll leave for a day and go visit friends and then join back up with the tour the next day and uh that's all reasonable you know and everybody rides at their own pace so anybody who is concerned about getting stuck behind somebody who is slow that doesn't happen with these tours right these are gps guided tours you get the route it's in your gps and you ride at your pace yeah, so or on the other end, if you're concerned about keeping up with a more advanced pack, you don't have to worry about that either. No. You set your you set your time and you just go and enjoy yourself. Exactly. exactly. Um, so kind of moving sequentially too, we're kind of in the thick of it now, but what about cafe to cafe? How's that looking? That's going good. We've got a lot of people uh, sending in their pictures at the various cafes. People can still sign up if they want online. You've Sweet. got until the end of September to hit all the cafes. The front nine and the back nine, right? The front nine and the yeah. back nine. You could either do the front nine or you could do the back nine or you could do all 18. And uh, the 19th hole will be out at uh, Cafe Veloce in October doing the awards there. And that's all spelled out in the information you get right. when you sign up. Uh, but we have a record turnout this year. We're over 100 people this wow. year. Wow. That's great to hear. That's such a cool event, too. You know, you've got so many people out there riding around the Pacific Northwest. And that's really what it's all about here, right? Just getting to uh, encourage people to get out and enjoy life on their motorcycles. So that's exactly. that's really awesome to hear. And for anybody who just tuned in and never heard of Cafe to Cafe before, that we just give you – 18 locations, you need to ride your motorcycle to nine, and uh, you can do that anytime you want. You're not going to be going with a group of people. You do it on your own, or if you got a buddy you want to do it together with, we have people who do that all the time. And uh, just because we're moving through here, too, we might as well talk a little bit about Sasquatch, which is going to be in September this year, right? Yeah, so we finally firmed it up. It's going to be in September. We're going to do it around the Olympic Peninsula. Awesome. We're working up the route right now. And uh, probably around June, or uh, um, Bobo will start uh, doing his uh, pre-riding. Cool. And uh, got some interesting, interesting roads that we're going to do. We're not going to be doing any of the Indian land or any of that sort of thing. Right. We've got some cool 
back roads that are that are going to be included. Uh, some some cool stuff going up over some ridges and this sort of thing that have views out to the ocean. Nice. Well, you know, before we uh, you know kind of transition into uh, you know the next segment here, I do I want to pick your brain about California, but first, you know, you mentioned interesting, and that kind of reminded me. Uh, Soundwriter is designing some T-shirts too, right? We are. Yeah. So the first T-shirt is already designed. You can buy it online. It's called Joey's Moto Dump and Junkyard. And it looks great, too. It's hilarious. And uh, the whole idea behind the T-shirts is they're facetious, and uh, you can mess with your friends' minds. When you wear right. that shirt, people will look at it and say, What's the story? I've never heard of Maury Island, British Columbia. Well, you know, as if motorcyclists need another reason to talk to each other, this would be a good conversation starter. And the artwork looks great. I, I mean, I think they're – I'm really looking forward to – I think there's going to be some further designs too, right, that we're going to roll out. Oh, yeah. We'll be doing some more shirts. We'll probably do one every quarter is the way it's, cool. it's looking right now. Uh, the thing about the shirts is this is a very um, cool way for you to support Soundwriter. Right. Um, if you like the show, if you like to read the online magazine – uh, you can support us and get something in return, get some value. And you can get these limited collector's edition T-shirts. And uh, w- when you do it on the pre-buy, it's only $22 a shirt. Can't beat that. So um, uh, we appreciate it. We want you to have fun wearing a shirt. Right. And for sure, these are all they're all going to be collector's items. Yeah. And I think this first one came out really nice. Uh, our friend Greg Moss, who worked with us for many years, uh, was the person who did the uh, the uh, the artwork on it. Yeah, yeah. the caricature yep. that's on it. Uh, we tried other designers. Uh, and it didn't work out. Well, it looks great, you know. I mean, so that's the name of the game, right? The finished product. Yeah, and he's somebody that we can count on, and does a lot of different type of work, not just caricatures, cool. but all kinds of graphic design work. So uh, we'll probably see some more from Greg this year. Yeah. Well, I hope to see one of those t-shirts, uh, one or two of those t-shirts, down at the rally in the gorge too. At the uh, if they end don't of sell out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now you can order well, it now for sure and get it. Yeah. You just go on to the Soundwriter store and call up uh, the apparel area, and right on the front page of the apparel is the Joey's Moto Dump and Junk. That's right. So store.soundwriter.com and also, I believe right now, if you visit our Facebook page, you'll see that uh, in the header too. It right? is the so header of our can, Facebook. Page. You can get an idea that of the artwork, correct. so you'll know what it says. You can read it nice and big there. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, kind of transitioning back to riding, and we're talking about you know the uh, rally in the gorge and Sasquatch. I'm interested uh, if you have any uh, opinions on riding in California this spring slash summer. I've been uh, spending a lot of time down there uh, for my uh, full time gig. You know, my corporate sales gig. And I'm thinking about in May, because I'm going to spend a lot of the week down there, maybe sort of sneaking my motorcycle down to uh, you know some out-of-the-way little town and putting it in a storage unit so I can retrieve it on the weekends mm-hmm. and uh, ride around a little bit. Any suggestions down there in California that you think might be of note? Well, you said uh, between Sacramento and San Diego. Yeah, so I, I cover a large territory <clears throat> down in California. I was thinking maybe the sort of towards the Yosemite area. Um, or even just you know the ride down from maybe Washington through Oregon uh, into Northern California, I thought might have some oh, okay. interesting spots. So. Well, there's lots of great roads. Yeah, um, there's uh, Highway 36 that runs between Interstate 5 and 101. Okay, Although you need to be need to be watching for road closures on these 
roads sure. anywhere you're going to go because with the way the weather was down there this year, a lot of stuff got torn up, and yep. there are roads that are definitely closed down. Uh, in fact, I think there's parts of 101 that are closed down. I think you're right. I have heard that a few times. Yeah. But that's why I ride the lightweight dual sport. I just pick it up, put it on my shoulders, and I just start hiking with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> you just ride yeah. through the washout. That's it, you know? It's the 200 uh, foot drop. It's the apocalypse bike. So I'm going to go and do some training so uh, I know what to do when uh, North Korea finally comes to a head around here. Um, yeah, Yosemite area is beautiful. It's beautiful on a bike. Uh, north of Yosemite is an area called Monitor Pass. Okay. That's a cool road. Uh, and that'll take you between Lake Tahoe and dump you down into the Owens Valley. Oh, it's beautiful through there, so, too. So uh, that's a good one. Yeah. And um, oh, out on the coast, I like uh, Highway 1. Right. Uh, going north from, say, Petaluma up to uh, where the chandelier tree used to be before it, I think it, Either burned or fell over. Oh, I don't. What what was the chandelier tree? Was that just a it was tree a, of no? It was actually a tree you could drive under. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I gotcha. think they called it the tunnel tree. Right. So they kind of carved out the road right, right in between it. Yep. Okay. But it's gone now. All right. So uh, that's a, that's a really spectacular section of cool. Highway One. Um, and then when I did it, I I felt like a little spoiled brat by the end of it because I never got stuck behind anybody. Yeah, I think it was uh, Port Ord. Yeah, and and up to the uh, the tunnel tree, there was nobody in front of me. Wow, and I just had a big smile. Thank you, lucky stars for that. That didn't happen too often, especially around here in Seattle, where you're always it seems like stuck behind someone. So there are there are a lot of great roads. Um, there is a destination highways book for Northern California that you can get, um, or you can check it out from the Soundwriter Library. Nice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll kind of help you. Um, we also have done uh, a tour down through Northern California, so I could give you a copy of that book if cool. you want it. Um, lots of lots of good writing in yeah. there, uh, and there's also some crap. Yeah, there's some roads that look like they're okay, but you get on them and they're and just full of potholes yeah. everywhere, and it looks like a really nice shortcut from from A to C. But uh, you should go to B. It's brutal. <laughs> well, I don't think yet that I have my California benchmark atlas, but maybe I'll have to add that to the collection of Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. Yeah. Yeah, and then when you pick a road, maybe do a little homework online and find yeah. out what's going on. Absolutely. Well, hopefully I'll have a chance to get down there, and uh, I'll report back, certainly if I do, in uh, the June episode on the show here. Well, we got a lot going on with Nude Fights. Let's take a break, and we'll be back. Support for the Soundwriters Show is provided in part by The Rally in the Gorge. Are you ready to go beyond the main roads? Since 2003, The Rally in the Gorge has introduced riders intimately to the awesome secondary and tertiary roads in the Columbia River Gorge National Scenic Area. With programs for dual sport, adventure, sport touring, and sport bike enthusiasts, this is the rally you'll want to return to again and again. For more information, visit soundrider.com slash rally. This is Dave Richardson from Moto International. You're listening to The Soundwriter Show. Hi, my name is Alan Ayers uh, from White Center, Washington. Uh, one of my favorite rides that we do quite often is go up through Greenwater over the Natchez Trail, come out over in Yakima. Uh, I do it on my Honda NC700X. Uh, not many people do it on that bike, and I get some strange looks, but it works great.
in studio on the Sound Rider Show. And I tell you what, if you're looking for barn find type of value, look no further than the Sound Rider Show, right? Because this is 100% free. It's this all is your out barn there. find of the week. It's a barn find, right? And if you're looking <laughs> maybe for a motorcycle barn find, we've got kind of an interesting news bite here with one of our friends right out of the Pacific Northwest. What can you tell us about that, Tom? So uh, Dave Eady, I got the word on this uh, at the end of April that he was going to be featured on the latest episode of American Pickers. Wow. And uh, Dave Eady is a longtime ambassador to motorcycling here in the Pacific Northwest. He's uh, He's been a member of the Cossacks since the 1970s, Whoa. the motorcycle drill team. Yep. Uh, he has uh, been a motorcycle escort and now owns his own motorcycle escort service since uh, the early 1990s. Great. In the early 2000s, he started up a, a, a service called uh, Your Last Ride. And it's a motorcycle hearse. Oh, wow. And so they have a special plate that they put onto the sidecar section of the motorcycle, and they can slide a a casket on and off. (laughs) Now, that's the way to go, I guess, right? I mean, if you're a lover of motorcycles and your family's going to do that for you, I think you've probably done something right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So, uh, So they had them on American Pickers. Yeah. And it was a really well-done segment. It'll probably rerun throughout the month. I highly recommend people watch it, even if they don't know who Dave is. Yeah. Because they spend more time talking to him about what he did in the past than they do haggling with him about, oh, you know, I want to buy this toy over here. Dave has a ton of memorabilia. Must have a thousand stories, garage. too. Yeah. He's got, he's got over a thousand pieces of memorabilia. Oof. <clears throat> and it's very cool stuff. Um, so... I said to Dave, I said, you know, they missed a lot of stuff that's in your garage. Right. And I'd like to come over and go through some of it and, you know, hey, maybe I'll buy something. I yeah. don't know. But uh, Dave said, yeah, please come on over, bring your camera. So what we're going to do is uh, a nice uh, a little photo exhibit in Soundwriter, some awesome. of the stuff that's in the garage. We're going to go through the history of Dave. And uh, also, while I was there, I brought the handheld microphone over great and so dave and i looked at a few pieces together and that's going to be the interview section of the show today awesome well i'm looking forward to hearing that he sounds like such an interesting guy and you know that's one of the great things about working here at Soundriders, getting the opportunity to meet so many people with interesting stories and what a great way to sort of bring it back around to get him to sort of national tv spot on american pickers and uh, i'm definitely gonna be looking for the episode maybe i can find some clips on youtube i haven't had a chance to look but it sounds like a, a really entertaining watch yeah Absolutely. All right. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, Joe Cop. Yeah. Uh, American motorcyclist flat tracker extraordinaire who lives in the Spokane area is uh, going to start a motorcycle school out out there. It's actually they kicked off with their first classes this last weekend. So uh, that's some pretty cool information. Yeah, so that's out in the Spokane area, you said, huh? Yeah. Yeah, and Joe Cop, Cop is K-O-P-P, right? K-O-P-P. This, yeah, this isn't any affiliation with any sort of law enforcement no, organization no, no. here. It's just a uh, a sort of uh, – well, only, only if he goes too fast in the street right. and the cops chase Cop. <laughs> yeah, well, it's <laughs> – <right. laughs> 
it sounds like uh, he has quite a breadth of experience. Do you know, is this school going to be focusing on any particular angle, or is it sort of taking all comers? I got this piece out of the Spokesman Review, and they didn't really have a lot of details, so I think we need to dig around online and come up with some more stuff, and maybe yeah. this is going to be a feature article for Soundwriter as well. Yeah, it'd be great to get out there. You know, it's always fantastic when a new school opens up. I mean, the more training, the better. We're huge advocates of that, and it sounds like if you're in the Spokane area, Joe would be a great go-to guy to maybe brush up on your skills. Oh, man. If, if you were ever interested in riding flat track or any kind of, of dirt bike stuff, this, yeah. and you could mentor with this guy, wow. Yeah. That would be awesome. All right. Well, hopefully we'll have a chance then to get out there and visit with him at some point. But congratulations to him on the opening, too. So we're on the uh, wire for information on what's going on with the passes on Highway 20, mm-hmm. State Route 20. And uh, we got some news that they were starting to clear out the the two Rainy Pass and Washington Pass, and uh, and that was all good. They they always do that every year, obviously. Right. Uh, this is not going to be a record year unless it's a record year for the fact that they get it open the latest they ever got it open before, which would be like July one. But um, in the midst of getting ready to clear it and open it, they had a washout up on Loop Loop Pass on State Route 20. So what is going to be the sort of end-all effect on Loop Loop Pass? So we're looking at like a $700,000 repair up there and probably going to take several months, if not longer, to get that repair done. But they got to kind of wait for it to stop doing all this raining. Yeah. And uh, that's not that, that that hasn't ended yet. So so is there a reroute in place, or does this? I mean, you got to go down to well, you got to use the state route one fifty three, which has been problematic for them into Metau. Okay, uh, that's been problematic for them all winter, and they're doing all they can just to keep that open because that's the only way into Winthrop right now. Whew. You can't get into Winthrop over any either side of State Route twenty. So a good reminder if you're getting ready to plan, you know, any sort of multi-day touring trip throughout the Pacific Northwest here, we've had a lot of rain. So check those road conditions because you may have ridden a route uh, time and time again over the last four or five years, and you'll find that it's shut down this year. That's right. Yeah. And you can check road conditions. Um, You can link to all the counties and all the national forest right on Soundrider. If you click up in the top right-hand corner, it says more. Right. And then you go to resources, and it says road conditions. Click on that, and everything is there waiting for you. That's a great thing to highlight, definitely, because that information, the last thing you want to do is have to ride back and you know recover six hours of terrain when you've only got a three-day weekend, right? So you yep. know where you go before you head out. So you got some information about some BLM land that's going to revert back to state land. Yeah, so potentially. So uh, I found this, you know, surfing the AMA website, and it looks like they're in support of this measure. Uh, but basically, the Trump administration uh, holds your groans or your applause either way there. But uh, they are reviewing um, some national monument statuses that have been designated to areas larger than 100,000 square acres um, over the last 20 years. So this will have some impact in Oregon and in Washington. And uh, the AMA is in support of this. So I thought it was maybe an interesting little topic to bring up. So the Washington area is the Hanford Reach. That's right. Which is currently like a wildlife habitat area. Yep. And then uh, what's the one? Do you know what the one is down in Oregon? Yeah. So I'm scrolling down right now. It's actually, it crosses into the border of California as well. 
And well, uh, that's right. It's a Siskiyou area. That's right? right. Yeah. So the Cascade Siskiyou area of uh, Oregon and California. And basically, the idea in this measure is that it would right now it's under BLM status, the Bureau of Land Management, which is a federal body. And if they review these and decide that they don't want to keep them under national monument status, they would revert back to state control. And then the state and the local area would have decision-making power on how those lands are used. So obviously this has some impact for um, off-highway vehicle use. You know, you dirt bikers, your motocross riders, this may come into uh, play in the next couple of years here. Okay. Yeah. So the AMA is in support of it. What do you think? I mean, better to have state control here or what's your experience with BLM lands and motorcycle riders? What the state tends to like to do is to uh, designate it as like state park area and then charge you to go into it. Yep. So I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, but I do know that BLM has a way of just squeezing out any places that we can ride motorcycles. So, and I don't, I don't I'm not going to say the state uh, adds them back in again because no, that's, that's not necessarily true either. But it's less of a fight when you have to try to regain some area yep. uh, than if you're dealing with the BLM. Well, I mean, I think uh, I'm always in favor of things, you know, going back under state control because if people are going to, those are the people that are going to use the areas the most. And we have a lot of uh, dirt bike riders who I think would like to use that area in a responsible way. And if that's the case, I say more power to them. So, you know, revert it, take it away from the BLM, give it back to Oregon, give it back to Washington, and let the riders get out and ride. So you were poking around online the other night, and you noticed that one of the local retailers had changed their name. What do you know about that? Yeah, so uh, I was doing a little, uh, you know, click down on the Hinshaw's motorcycle website, and it looks like a name change has been made, and that it is now officially the Noble Rush of Auburn. So Noble Rush is the name, originally the name of the coffee bar in Redmond that was next door to the Ducati Redmond store. That's right. And now they carry Modus. That's right. And now now they've transferred the name down into Kent as well. Yes. So now we're in Auburn, right? Or Auburn, yep, yeah. Down in Auburn. So now uh, there are two Noble Rushes. One carries Modus. And I'm not sure. I know historically the Henshaws down in Auburn had the Modus for a little while, but I don't know if that traded over in the uh, rebranding or not. We'll to see but. if the logo's on the, on the Noble Rush Auburn website. Yeah. So uh, uh, the history behind that is is that uh, when it was Hinshaw's, there was nobody named Hinshaw's there. It yeah. was uh, Ron Orr was the owner. But he bought it from the Hinshaw's car dealer people. Sure. Uh, and when they got started in their business, they actually started as a Honda motorcycle store. Okay. And then uh, anybody who was a Honda motorcycle store back in the, I want to say, early 80s, uh, if they did a good job, they got to buy into uh, selling the cars. Right. So Henshaw's bought into selling the cars, and then at, at one point, uh, somewhere in the 90s, they decided that it was time to cut loose with the motorcycle shop. And Ron thought they had such a reputable name of Henshaw's that he didn't change it to Ron Orr's Honda Motorcycles. Makes he sense. just called yeah. it. He just kept it as Henshaw's Motorcycle sure. Store. And that's how the name carried over. But uh, as it always happens when someone sells a shop, there's two things for sale. There's the shop and there's the name. Right. And I'm guessing that the idea was we're not going to buy the name. We're just going to buy the shop. Sure. So there's some goodwill that uh, is available there for an additional charge. Now, I am curious, though, You know, when it was sold in the 90s from the Henshaw family – 
um, you know, based on the relationship with Honda. Is it just coincidental that that's also the same time that Honda last updated their dual sport technology? <laughs> <laughs> well, are you talking about America or worldwide? Well, I'm talking about you know, yeah. there is the Africa twin. Okay, yeah, sure. I'll throw you a bone on that one. That joke is probably about 18 months too late, but still, I had to get it in there. But it's true. And yeah. Throughout the 90s and up until about 2015, there really wasn't very much right. new dual sport technology from Honda. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. Hopefully, you know, they have a lot of great people down there uh, at now uh, Noble Rush of Auburn. And hopefully we'll continue to see that dealership flourish in the uh, years to come. So uh, I got the email the other day, and I think you did too, that Whitehorse uh, Gear is closing their doors. Yeah, I was a, a little surprised to see that it wasn't sold to somebody. Uh, yeah, and I wonder if they tried to sell it and couldn't find a buyer. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we have our own little online store. Absolutely. And I, I know what they're going through because we're, we're going through it too. Yeah. Um, we're a little – we're able to get away with it because we run such a low overhead. But, you know, they had several employees there mm-hmm. and they also had their book publishing division. Yep. Well, we also happen to have a book publishing division sure. and I can tell you what's going on there too. Right. Uh, and it's not, uh, it's not what it used to be. So um, – well, this is an East Coast company. They're in New Hampshire, right? Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it is a little um, – you know, there's some uh, some camaraderie, I would say, between the uh, organizations just because they are sort of similar, like you said, having a book publishing division and a gear division. But they were also kind of on the forefront, um, much like the Sound Rider store as far as online motorcycle, especially retailers, wouldn't you say? It's true. You know, yeah. when we started up our online store way back in 2002 – um, we didn't have a lot of competitors. Right. There was no such thing as Giant Loop, no such thing as Alt Rider, no such thing. Uh, Tour Tech didn't really have much of an imprint in yeah. the U.S. Um, Whitehorse was there, Arrow Stitch was there. There was no Twisted Throttle. Right. And everything's changed, and there's a lot more people playing the game. Yeah. Not to mention the big A stomping on everybody. And you know, if I have something and it sells well. And they find out, then they add it to their store, and then they go and kill me on price or free shipping or whatever. So uh, I know what's you know I I can feel their pain. I know what they're going through. Yeah, and uh, and for the uh, the two owners. Uh, Judy and I can't remember his name. Yeah, you know I'm not sure off the top of my head. Um, they're they're ready to retire. So. Yeah, it seems like, you know, in sort of the little uh, almost press clipping that I read that they were – but they seem to be pretty content with uh, the life that they have led and looking forward to the uh, the next years together in retirement where there sounds like they're going to get out and ride and enjoy yeah. the fruits of their labor. So hats off to both of them though and uh, we'll see what happens to uh, maybe that brand in the future. And uh, we'll talk about this a little later in the show under a different pretense. Okay. Uh, let's see. What else we got? Uh, oh, you can uh, test ride. Is it any motorcycle you want? So there's, I guess, several models available now. And this is down in Long Beach, and they're doing virtual reality. And he means Long Beach, California. That's right, it yeah. Could, it could carry up here virtual at reality yeah, testing I, using the Oculus Rift. That's right, yeah. That's so, the cardboard box that you put your Google phone into, right? So that's that's a little different. It's the same sort of similar technology. This is a higher-end version of that. Okay. I, I think the Oculus Rift are a few hundred bucks, but basically you put your phone in there, your 3D-enabled phone, and you hop on, I guess, a stationary bike, and then uh, you virtually test ride your new ride. 
Okay, so we had this kid up in Ferndale, Washington, who was 18 years old. He got a Honda CBR 600, and within 30 minutes, he had killed himself. Yeah. Now, let's say we go to the showroom, and we get on the bike with the Oculus Rift, and maybe maybe it's our first time ever riding a motorcycle, but right. not really. Sure. So within 30 minutes, we crash, and then we decide... Gee, you know, maybe this motorcycle thing isn't for me. So is that going to kill sales at motorcycle shops if you let people virtual virtual reality ride them first who don't have any motorcycling skills? You know, I, it's going to be an interesting thing to see how it shakes out. I mean, you have to you have to incorporate the technology at some point, right? I mean, it's just a matter of fact, like technology is going to move forward, so you have to use it. Um, my concern is that they're going to put a quarter slot on the thing, and then that's going to be the only way that people ride motorcycles in the future. Oh, there you go. <laughs> go into their dealer. and Well, maybe I got a whole new career ahead of me. Maybe I can develop all these rides for yeah. virtual reality. There you go. Yeah. Ooh. Or maybe you. Don't anybody steal that from me, especially you, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Pat, patent pending. Uh, maybe you can just be the guy who, when someone comes in and they select, you know, I've, I've got. This is my first time riding. I'm going to take a 600cc sport bike. You can be the guy that comes out and goes, I said, no, you're Fail. not. Yeah. <laughs> you're not getting on that bike, even yeah. if it's only virtual reality. That's right. And you downgrade them to a, a tricycle. But or, you know, what's Harley Davidson going to do? What if people want to do that in a Harley shop? All they could do is get on like a 700cc version. They can't yeah. get on like a 125 and do a little ride in the dirt or anything. You know, that's an interesting out, point. You know? Harley doesn't have any entry-level bikes, do no. they? Mm-mm. Well, How do you – well, I don't know. That's another – topic for another day maybe but how do you build that brand loyalty if you don't have any entry-level rides well it wasn't like they ever thought about this in the past yeah. so uh, history tells us back in the early 1960s they bought a company out of i want to say italy called aramaki mm-hmm. and they had 50 cc 100 cc 60 cc they had they had aramakis that were 50 cc's and some that were 65 cc's right and they had it all covered and, and a beautiful thing about the aramaki um you're going to hear this joke twice today. Uh, but uh, they were very simpatico with Harley-Davidson because they were also really oil leakers. Ah. Yeah, you had to have a drip fan on your Aramaki. Yeah. So uh, – it's a match made in heaven. And then when uh, later on, as they passed through that era, they eventually just unloaded the whole thing and went back to just doing big bikes only. So they went through the early 70s with some smaller bikes, and then they sort of just cut that all out by the time they got to the 80s, I think it was. Right. I wonder. It'd be, it would be kind of nice, though, to see a, a three or 400cc Harley-Davidson, wouldn't it? So they had a Buell. Yeah. It was a 400cc, and it was right. kind of like a Sportster cut-in-half motor. Yep. I uh, had that, but that's gone now. Yeah, that I rode one of those, and I'll tell you, I, I almost had to go and get my uh, spinal column readjusted because <laughs> they were torquey. Yeah. Torquey, torquey. Well, you just have to ride it backwards. You put it back in alignment, I think, is the the program there. Yeah, well, the, when you see me riding around Seattle hitting potholes backwards, <laughs> you'll know why I do it. Potholes in Seattle? I don't know anything about that. <laughs> Uh, so uh, we all seem to forget that Volkswagen bought Ducati about yeah. five years ago. 2012, what's, yeah. what's the deal? Yeah, so apparently now Ducati is being shopped again. Um, so they're looking for maybe some potential buyers. And it looks like just in sort of that effort to streamline and maybe get a little more focused or refocused on the automotive side. That's Volkswagen and Audi, of course. Um, and there's also some rumors out there that they might just actually uh, issue an IPO 
and started as a separate company. But uh, could see some changes coming to Ducati real soon. Well, okay, I got a theory here. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you uh, monkeyed around with your emission system on your on your some of your cars. Sure, you know your turbo diesel. That's been known wink, to happen. Wink. Yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. you got you got hit with a really fat lawsuit. Yeah, and you had to pay all this money back to the consumers. And, you know, we read in the headlines that Ducati's having record sales right now. Yeah. Well, now you need some cash, don't you? Yes, you do. And so the way – one of the ways you get it is you sell that seems-to-be-doing-well motorcycle business. Yep. Or maybe you offer an IPO. You can probably get more money out of an IPO than probably. just selling it. Yeah. So uh, I think that's what's going on. Yeah. Interesting. I, you know, that is an interesting theory. And I think if you really want to milk it for all it's worth, what you do is you sell it. To some enthusiastic sucker who in five years is going to regret buying it, and then you buy it back at half the price and do it all over again. That's never happened before. <laughs> Come on. You know, I, I feel bad for all these Italian motorcycle companies because get bounced around all the time. Yeah. And we see this happen. We've seen Moto Guzzi get bounced around and, and Aprilia, and now they're within the Piaggio group. Maybe Piaggio wants to buy Ducati. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe they can make a uh, entry level rider for Harley, right? Going back to those Italian roots. Ah, well, see, I think somebody ought to retool Aramaki and bring it all back. You know, I think we're doing a lot of free consulting work here on today's episode. Someone should be uh, should be paying us for this. <laughs> uh, oh, okay, so uh, let's see. Uh, out in uh, Spokane, mm-hmm. there is uh, Spokane Motorcycle School, right? And they are running a Kickstarter campaign. I think it is, or okay. somebody. I don't know. You know, it's one of those "Give Me Money" campaigns. Sure, uh, trying to raise one hundred fifty thousand dollars so they can pave an area to run all their programs. Wow. So that's a lot of paving. 150k, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, see, but you need a you need a I think it's 200 by 200 feet area. Right. It's either feet or yards. Uh, no, it's not yards. It's like 200 by 250 area and you got to level it. Yeah. So you got to have all that machinery come in and you got to pay for the asphalt. You got to do it thick enough so it doesn't break up and fall apart. Right. Uh at times you may put some heavy vehicles on there. So the density of the of the asphalt has to be fairly thick. So uh, let me ask you this, and this is in all sincerity here too, because uh, that's a, that's a big chunk of change. But would you see value if one of these schools? I just literally just said, you know, let's skip the pavement, let's get a bunch of uh, TW two hundreds or CRF two fifties, and let's teach people beginning riding on a gravel lot and teach them sort of how to power slide a little bit <laughs> and figure out, you know, what it feels like to get a little squirrely early in the game. Like, doesn't that maybe have some value? Mm, I don't know about that. You don't think so? No. And also, I'm not a, a huge advocate of the fact that if you go and ride around in a parking lot for a day and a half, that you're going to have the skills to ride in the street. I think we had, need to have some more on-street skills going on. Right. Well, that's – I mean, and again, in all sincerity you – know, But you're not going to get that from power sliding in the dirt. No, but wouldn't that be a good, uh, a good sort of starting range exercise to maybe learn out there in the dirt a little bit? And then maybe they take you to the local Walmart and then to the street. You know, maybe do like a three-day sort of course and get you a little more comfortable in uh, some of those more dynamic situations, traction-wise. I think what we need is I think we need the state to purchase some land areas and pave them 
and and not have the schools have to do it right. so that they're th- so that they're there if a contractor bails out later let's say the contract ends with Spokane and they don't get a renewal from the state mm-hmm. at least the state would still have a piece of land they could offer another contractor right but they don't do that uh, I think what needs to happen in training is no I think you need to train them on the pavement for yeah. a day and a half sure and then you need to you need to put them within like 30 to 60 days into some kind of on street training course. Right, yeah. Well, I don't know. That's part of my proposal if uh, we can get the Hanford reach back from the BLM is to pave it and turn it into a motorcycle training area. Yeah, yeah. Let's right. just, and don't worry about what's under the ground when you're taking yeah. your class. Or right. All right. We got uh, some calendar stuff we're going to be talking about. We'll be right back. On the Sound Rider Show. Stick around. Support for the Sound Rider Show is provided in part by Adventure Motorsports, Stomish County's largest selection of Yamaha and Suzuki motorcycles, ATVs, quads, and UTVs are available in Monroe at Adventure Motorsports. Celebrating a decade of top-rated sales, service, parts, and accessory support, hit the road and visit Adventure Motorsports today. Hi, this is Gary LaPlante from Moto Ventures, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. My name is Jason Omar. I'm from Ferndale, Washington, and one of my favorite rides is riding 134 miles an hour down the Bonneville Salt Flats on my 1948 Panhead. Welcome back to the Sound Rider Show. And I tell you what, we're going to head into the calendar segment here. And a lot of times during the winter, you and I sit here before the show and we're looking at these events where it's in some guy's basement out in Ferndale, Washington, it feels like. But not in May. There's a ton of stuff this month. And it's a great uh, it's a great time to be listening because we're going to get you in on some of the top ten. But just keep in mind that there are even more calendar items if you go to soundrider.com slash calendar. That's true. Yeah. And it's important to understand that when somebody's doing something in their basement in Ferndale, Washington, in the middle of winter, right. their basement's probably flooding. <laughs> That's true. That's part of the uh, Aqua program. It's uh, <laughs> our latest in training. It's the Aqua Moto Show. Right. We'll be working on that. That's the next Soundrider event, so uh, keep an eye out we'll for that. We'll teach you how to get the water out of your carburetor. Right. <laughs> but no, there's a lot of great stuff going on, starting out with uh, the uh, Northwest Nitro Hill Climb, right? It's happening out there uh, in Yakima, out, out there uh, Sunnyside Way. It's going to be uh, starting up next weekend, Friday through Sunday. Uh, always a good time. Uh, bring your binoculars, bring your long lens on your camera. Yeah. Uh, don't get too close to the motorcycles when they're going up the hill. But uh, you get to see hill climbing at its finest, which right? is awesome, Here in yeah. Washington State, and that's May fifth through the seventh. Just in case you're listening a little later in the month, um, but it always sounds like a fun time out there. And Sunnyside, Washington, do you think it will be sunny? Yes. Okay. Good. Because we're... it's east of the Cascades. All right. So, so we're... it probably will be sunny. Okay. Well, might we're... be a little windy. Yeah. If you do bring a camera, expect that there's going to be a lot of dust. So um, when you're switching lenses, be careful. Yeah, good. That's a, bring your blower. You see, that's that's the kind of input you can only get on the Sound Rider show. <laughs> that's right. You're, you're not going to read that in the paper you're anywhere. Not, you're not going to hear that on any other motorcycle podcast. But again, May 5th through the 7th out in Sunnyside, Washington, the Northwest Nitro National Hill Climb. All right. Also on May 5th, if if, if the Nitro 
hill climb doesn't sound good to you, you could go for the uh, International Female Ride Day. Starts on Friday the 5th and goes through the weekend. It's a ride here in the Northwest to commemorate it. It's called Flock to the Rock. And uh, Claudette Diva is going to take a group of women riders from here all the way down to Cannon Beach, Oregon. So more details on our calendar page there. Just go to Soundwriter, click on Calendar. Sounds like a good ride, though. Uh, Saturday the 5th, all of you down Portland Way, there's going to be a Motorcycle Camping 101 class at Western Oregon BMW. Uh, and this, I believe it actually, the class takes place while you're motorcycle camping. Oh, really? So you're out there and you're doing it? Yeah. 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 So there's uh, there's some details about this on our site, and I know there's more on the link. Uh, there's like a meal involved, and the camping is included, and it's not too far from Portland. It's just out to the east of Portland where it's going to happen. Uh, and just a, a quick note on that, that's actually going to be on the 6th and not the 5th there. According yeah, to the yeah. So Saturday, so. Saturday yep. the 6th, yep. and then I guess the overnight is Saturday night. Makes sense. Yeah. Lots of good information, though. Always good to, to hang out with some fellow moto campers. Yeah, I mean, you know, years ago I wrote my book, uh, Packing Light, Packing Ride. Yeah. And it's got a lot of motorcycle and camping tips, but there's always new people who, who don't know this stuff, and there's always uh, good teachers around to show you how to make motorcycle camping a reality. That's a good so. point. Uh, let's see, in Ellensburg, Saturday the 6th, we've got Rockin' the Red Horse. This is the fourth year for that one. Is that what that's saying? Uh, let's so. see here. Yeah, that's it's a like the fourth annual. Yeah, I got some poker run, uh, live music. It doesn't say the dates on here, but I think you're right. I think it is uh, an annual event here. Yeah, so this is happening out in Ellensburg, or also known as Eberg. Right. Uh, and, uh, hey, folks, uh, it gets a little windy out in Ellensburg, whatever day of the week it is, whatever time of year it is. So expect a little bit of that. And if you're camping, bring your tent stakes and uh, a hammer to pound those in. Yeah. You know, I like my tent stakes rare. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. And then on also on Saturday the 6th down in Portland, the Sing Freud Riding Club season opener is happening. So uh, you want to you wanna hook up with those guys? They're kind of like equivalent to our Cretans here in Seattle. Oh, nice. Yeah. I was, I was curious. Freud, though, is uh, it's F-R-O-I-D, so it's not like uh, the no, psychologist no. Freud. They're not going to no, be doing any analyzing, right? There won't be any of that sexual stuff. Right. Uh, let's see. Okay, so this is kind of cool. On the 9th, Tuesday, there's a uh, MotoGP replay that happens at St. Andrew's Bar and Grill here in Seattle. Cool. And uh, one of the guys over from Triumph of Seattle right across the street brings his, his laptop over, and he has a subscription to MotoGP. Beautiful. And so he shows the weekend races and highlights. Um and uh, you can sit around and have a beer. It's a good excuse to get out and enjoy motorcycling, especially on like a rainy day. You know, you go down there, yeah. you have a beer, and you watch some racing. Yeah. I, I went to it a couple of weeks ago. I was the oldest person there. Well, and, you know, I'm not that old. No, not a, not a day over. <laughs> <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. On the 13th, we've got the Rose City 500 happening down in the Portland area. That's always a favorite. And uh, on the 16th, Sunday, well, that's actually Monday. On the 15th uh, is early check-in for our road trip tour. 
out in Coeur d'Alene, as we mentioned earlier. Yep. Uh, we're going to be going to uh, we're going to be riding around Idaho Monday. We're going to blast through Washington and back into Idaho on Tuesday. Beautiful. We're going to head out to uh, Pendleton, Oregon, on Wednesday. On Thursday, we're going to go live it up at the Canada Hot Springs. Man, what a good time! And every day, we're stopping at a museum. Wow. That's, so that's going to awesome. be a road trip. Yeah, there's some great museums out there too. So that's a nice little uh, that's kind of a nice little Easter egg for the trip. Yeah. Uh, let's see. On Sunday the 28th, West Coast Motorcycle Ride to Live. This is a fundraiser that happens up in British Columbia. So when they talk about the West Coast, they're talking about I guess the Sunshine Coast. Yes, it sounds like that. Looks like there's two starting points: one in Vancouver and one in Chilliwack. So if you uh, want to head up to Canada, or if you're listening from Canada, get out there and uh, support these guys. Sounds like a good cause. Sounds like they leave Chilliwack and stop in Vancouver and pick up all those guys, and then have a long, snaky, who knows? Yeah. Well, it's beautiful country up there, and hopefully they'll have some dry weather for that day. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Uh, and this one's in June, but we want to remind people about it now. The Black Dog Dual Sport going on in Hood River. Uh, hopefully the ground will be dry enough to tent camp there at the fairgrounds. Yeah. This is going to be on June 3rd and I guess 3rd and 4th. Yeah, which is always a good time down there. And if, you know, if, if you've joined us at the Rally in the Gorge, you know how beautiful Hood River is. So if you need an excuse, here it is. Go yeah, down and, and some uh, years they get some private roads open, so it might be the only chance you can ride a certain area. Right. That otherwise, you wouldn't be able to. Uh, it's not fire season, so you don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Well, what do you think? We've had a lot of rain. Do you think it's going to be a very strong fire season this year? Or no, I don't. Yeah, that's yeah, good. I think I think we I think we got a lot of wet wood out in the forest. Right. Well, in fact, we still got a lot of places that you couldn't even go to right now because there's still a lot of snow. That's true. Yeah, a lot of snowpack up in uh, up in the mountains, which is great uh, for views, and hopefully it'll keep things nice and green. But I'd love to see some sunshine. All right, we're going to take a little break. We'll be back with our our special guest. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Moon Motorcycles, a family-run operation located in Issaquah, Washington. Moon Motorcycles features a diverse selection of used bikes to choose from. Whether you're shopping for a used sport bike, cruiser, dual sport, sport touring, or street standard, you owe it to yourself to visit Moon Motorcycles and look over their large inventory. Have you got a used bike you want to consign? Get in touch with Moon Motorcycles today. This is Rob from MotoFit Group, and you're listening to The Soundwriter Show. Hi, my name is Rich. I live in Kingston, Washington. I own several motorcycles, uh, BMWs, Ducatis, Harley-Davidson's, and one of my favorite rides is riding the Olympic Peninsula. So I got to see the American Pickers with Dave Eady right. the night it ran, which sure. was last Tuesday. And, uh, or was it Monday? Yeah, I think it was Monday. Anyways, um, <clears throat> really great show. 
And I thought, you know, they missed a lot of stuff in Dave's garage, but there's so much stuff you can't possibly cover it all anyways. I can only imagine. And I thought, you know, it's, it's time to go down there. We'll do some photographs. I'll sit down and do some interview with Dave. And uh, <clears throat> so what I'm going to play here is my interview section with him. And what we're doing is we're walking through the garage talking about different things. Awesome. Uh, and I don't make it too long. I think it's maybe 12 minutes. Great. Um, cause it's hard to do that when you can't actually see what we're talking about or we're doing the best we can to yeah. describe it. Um, and then what happened was we got all done. I did some interview with him and he says, well, uh, you know, have you ever been back here in the bathroom? I'm like, uh, no, nope. actually, I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> he said, oh, you got to come on back here to the bathroom. And then there was more stuff that wow. we didn't even talk about. There was like, if you bought two packs of Harley-Davidson cigarettes, you got a free razor. Harley-Davidson used to make cigarettes? Yeah. Ooh. They made cigarettes. They had, They made beer. They made beer to commemorate Sturgis rallies. Wow. They had coffee. They had chocolate. And he's got all this stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. So uh, so it's really fun walking through. So this is just sort of my 12 minutes of cruising through Dave's garage. Uh, and, and just every time you look, there's something else. There. Well, I'm excited to hear it. And I'm also excited as uh, to hear it as sort of a buildup to uh, the future article and some of the photos that we'll have a chance to see on SoundRider. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Okay. Well, I am here in the garage with Dave Eady. Uh Dave, longtime friend to SoundRider. He's shown many bikes in our displays over the years at the motorcycle show. I'm looking here at the uh, Seahawk scooter. I'm looking at the Blue Angel bike that we had one year. I'm looking at the Rat bike that, if you watch the uh, the American Picker show, you saw the Rat bike because that was the one with the gas tank that actually uh, has liquor in it. Um. I'm not sure if we had your Cossack bike here one year. And we had this uh, this uh, topper scooter here yep, one year. Topper scooter. Yeah. yeah. That's a very, very rare. The topper scooter is a very rare thing. Uh, uh, we said a funeral, matter of fact, for John Mosier that was in the Cossacks for about 50-some-odd years. Now, you didn't, put, uh, you didn't put the casket on top of the sidecar, did you? No, no, no. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. We did have uh, his... Uh, remains did come on the bike i towed with my harley i towed his bike cossack bike on a trailer to his memorial service funeral wow. service and uh so had his motorcycle sitting out in front of the uh uh the building where we had the uh the funeral at and uh so anyhow uh they they wanted me to do that so yes we we brought his uh, you may say remains, which was part of him, is that uh, old Lydia, his bike, uh, on the on the trailer to the service. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so one of the things that we saw on the American Picker Show was a lot of stuff hanging from the ceiling. They didn't really get into a lot of it. But I'm looking here at these Roadmaster bicycles that looked like Harley Davidson Sportsters, and uh, uh, what, do, what what can you tell us about those? Well, years ago, they had uh, Sears, not Sears, but uh, uh, Toys R oh, Us. Us, yep. Toys R Us had a, these bicycles that was for uh, for sale. They were Harley-Davidson bicycles. And I'm not sure if they all came out at the same time. They had a red one, 
and a black one. I see. I think the red one was more of a deluxe model than the black one was, I believe. But anyhow, they had uh, those two bicycles. I think they look like about 24-inch bikes. Uh, bicycles. They're pedal bicycles, and they have engines in them that look just exactly like a Harley Davidson V-twin engine, uh, all the way back to the disc brake on the rear. And along beside that, they had a a small one for kids, the, a little oh, yeah. a little small one uh, that's got about maybe look like about eight inch tires on it. Yeah, it's got some training wheels on it. Yep, has training wheels and everything. And the pedals on it is on the front wheel for little kids, you know. The, it's a Harley-Davidson also, V-twin engine in it. So how did you acquire these bicycles? Well, I've seen them on the, uh, in, in uh, Toys R Us in Paula, and uh, told me about they were down there. So I said, okay, uh, let's go down and look at them. So I went down there, and, and I bought all three at one time, and uh, it at uh, Toys R Us and got home, took them out of the box, hung them up in the ceiling, and they, none of them have been rode. They're all brand spanking new. Have you looked at what these are worth now? I don't know. I, I don't have any idea. I, I give you 25 each. Uh, make it 30 and we can have it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. You got uh, uh, some other interesting stuff here. Um, some of the bikes you have, what is this little Harley Aramaki thing I'm that looking at? Is a, that's a 19, oh, let's see what year, that's 60, I think about a 61, 62, uh, I'd have to get the title out and see, a M50, uh, they call it the Leggero, which is made by, uh, Aramaki Company, made in Italy for Harley Davidson, and the 50s, they made two of them, uh, Leggeros. A 50cc and a 65. But I do, I do think that uh, uh, this, uh, these Aramaki's kind of uh, stood up to the reputation of Harley Davidson because I see you got the oil drip pan underneath there. Well, yeah, you got to make it. You know, I poured oil out of one of the other Harleys on to make it look good. (laughs) (laughs) No, that uh, that's got a little bit of seepage through the uh, um, through the gas tank coming out, and the gas evaporates out, and that's the two cycle oil that you see just dripping down there. It's seeping out through the engine. But that's a 50cc, and the other one over there, the red one, is a 65cc. Okay. Leggero, same thing. And then we got a Harley-Davidson Servicar. What year we got here, and how did you acquire that one? 70, yeah, 73, 72 Servicar. Uh, I bought that from a fellow by the name of Big Bill Wilson. He used to work in the shipyards years ago. He wanted a motorhome. And he needed a down payment for it, and I liked his survey car. And, uh, of course, he had, hadn't finished restoring it. It was still in the process of being restored. Mm. So I go over and look at it, and I says, what do you want for it? And I don't think, I don't remember. I think he wanted 35, 30, 33,000 or something like that for it. Anyhow, I got on the thing, cranked it up, and drove it around the yard, put it reverse, backed up into the garage, and gave him the money and said, okay, I'll come back and pick it up later. Well, about two and a half years later, I go over to pick it up, and then I jumped on him because the battery was dead. It wouldn't crank. <laughs> he kept it for another two, two and a half years or so after I paid for it, and you know, he wanted the money, and I just helping him out, and said, okay, not a problem. Now I've got it. He's passed away, bless his heart now, but 
And this appears to be some sort of a police type model. I see the the ho- yeah. the siren and I see the red light on the front, but I don't see any markings of any particular police department on it. Well, no, because it's been repainted. It don't have that. But on the down on the leg down there, you see Arkansas uh, House inspecting sticker down there. Oh yeah, so he stole it out Arkansas, of Arkansas. Arkansas Highway Patrol. Yeah. <laughs> It was an okay. Arkansas, Arkansas uh, bike. I don't know if it was a highway patrol or police that they had it, but it had been repainted, and all the police stuff was taken off of it before I got it, and uh, Bill or somebody else had took that off of it. Okay, well, you got some nice cases uh, down here that are full of all kinds of fun memorabilia. Uh, I remember the first time I was in your garage here, one of the things that caught my eye was the lunch boxes. And so you've uh, you've got a couple of evil Knievel lunch boxes, and one of them is uh, autographed to you. How did you did you buy those lunch boxes when you were a kid, or how'd you get those? Uh, no, in my collection of stuff going around here, I uh, acquired them at different. Uh, I would say maybe garage sales or rummage sales or uh, wherever I would see a lunch bucket like that, especially anything to do with evil Knievel, I would buy it over a period of years. I think I've got three, three, two or three lunch buckets, and there's several other things up there that I've got of Evil Knievel. I've got a, a wall plaque thing up there that has two Davids, Evil Knievel on it. Uh-huh. The lunch bucket has got two me, Evil Knievel. There's about three or four things up there that I had uh, him sign it when he would come into town to see Jack Anderson that did own the Burien Harley Davidson shop. Uh, he would call me up uh, in his motorhome down there, and I would go down to where he was and, and uh, go in the motorhome and shoot the bull with him for, oh, I don't know, maybe an hour or so before he'd hit the road again. But anyhow, yeah, <laughs> several several times I'd sit, sit in his motorhome with him and uh, shot the bull with evil. Okay, and so have you ever uh, looked up what the value on those lunchboxes are? No, no, no I, I haven't. I think we're going to need to do that here. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that one that doesn't have the autograph is uh, probably worth a whole lot. And the one with the autograph is probably worth a lot, but then he autographed it to Dave Eady, so I don't know if that means it's worth more or less. What do you think? Probably worth about half price. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, and then you've got this. Uh, we saw this on the American Picker Show, the knucklehead, the top of the knucklehead. That rocker box, yeah. Rocker box, yeah, that, uh, that auto drager put a metal stamp on. And uh, you've cleaned it up, so we're going to photograph that, and we'll put it in the article that we're doing on Soundwriter. Uh, let's see. What about the playing cards? Have we looked at the prices on some of those decks of those oh, Harley-Davidson no. playing cards? No, I, I haven't. I don't look at the price of them. No, Tom, I, you know, it doesn't matter to me. I, I like it because uh, I like the Harley-Davidson stuff, uh, not because the value of it. It that doesn't matter. Somebody's looking the other day and says, you even got Harley Davidson chocolates. I said, "Yeah, they've been in there for about twenty years or better." <laughs> I, I bet your chocolate's white by now, but yeah, open chocolate box, yeah. Well, I see, I see chocolate, I see coffee. We've got beer cans, and you say there's beer in those beer cans. Yeah, so. the beer can is full. It's never been opened. I think it goes from the first uh, first year they made beer can uh, beer. I think back in the eighties. Uh, I've got one of every can, I believe, until up uh, three or four years ago. I don't think I've had the last several years. And then you got spares on those too, right? 
Oh, yeah. They, they, so in case of an emergency, this would be a good garage to be hanging out in, huh? Oh, mercy, yeah. If water goes bad, we got water. We got, we got cigarette lighters in here. We got some Harley-Davidson cigarette lighters. Oh, yeah, there we go. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, look at that. And they get a downtown Harley-Davidson cigarette lighter. That's when Larry Symington owned Larry Symington owned the Harley shop back then. And uh, it's got one. Uh, let's see. Where is it at? That Larry, see it, Larry Simington, the one right back there. Oh yeah, I see that there, yeah. Yep, and there's one from downtown Harley when it, it, uh, it changed from I think it was Tom Cycle, which uh, they yeah, used, Carmen Tom, Carmen Tom, yep, and that's uh, right when they got downtown, uh, turned over to downtown. I've got one of those lighters also. Yeah, but that that's no one there from Larry Simington when he was up on, uh, I think it was up on uh, Aurora. Oh okay. And Larry Simon was up on Aurora up there. Yeah, we need to do a whole story someday about all the old shops that don't exist anymore. Oh, man, that'll, that'll take a while. Got some handcuffs over here with an Elvis Har- Presley matchbook. Harley Davidson handcuffs. They do have a Harley Davidson logo. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah. they're stamped Harley Davidson handcuffs. Is there a key that goes with them? Uh, well, depending on who, <laughs> depending on who I put them on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Well, we are going to be doing an article in the Soundwriter uh, May issue. And we'll have some photographs of some of this stuff. And uh, always a pleasure coming down to see you, Dave. Well, back to this rocker box there, Tom. This uh, when Otto Dragger. Now he had a he had a shop on Dexter uh, back. I would say probably in the forties to in the seventies. Uh, I guess it was something mm-hmm. like that. But anyhow, when Otto Dragger would sell a bike, he had this metal tag here. This an oval shaped metal brass tag. That he would put now. This one here is put on a rocker box off of a knucklehead. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take a photograph of that and put that in the article. Yeah, this came off a bike that uh, uh, we found for Andy Nicholson. He's in the Cossacks now, and uh, I told Andy, well, for me finding the thing, I'm gonna trade you rocker box. I'm gonna give you one that don't have auto draggers on it, and and he's okay with him. So uh, American Pickers was looking at this, and I said, is this for sale? I said, no, sir. That come off Andy Nicholson's bike, and it ain't going nowhere. <laughs> they keep that for the museum at some point, huh? Oh, yeah. Some museum. Yep. One of Auto Draggers. What Auto Draggers thing, which I, I I like. All right. Well, I'm gonna shut the mic off. We're gonna do a little more interview here, and uh, we'll continue on with the show. Support for Soundwriter and the Soundwriter Show is made possible in part by. Linwood Motoplex, your gateway to motorcycling adventure in the Pacific Northwest. Choose from brands like Indian, KTM, BMW, Kawasaki, Victory, Yamaha, Can-Am, and more. Family owned and operated for over 25 years. Linwood Motoplex is your one-stop shop for fun. Hello, this is Bill Cameron from Skagit Power Sports, and you are listening to the Sound Rider Show. Hi, I'm Tim. I live in Burien, and... uh few of my favorite rides in the state of Washington are uh, probably number one is Washington 20. Uh, it's just a nice scenic trip like traveling through the Alps and right behind that would be uh, Lolo Pass uh, on the pavement or if you're really adventuresome take the uh, Lolo Motorway uh, or the Magruder Corridor to go east and west. Uh, all great rides.
Soundwriters Show and uh, just putting the kickstand down here on this final segment. Of course, we're going to leave you some tips and tricks like Brian, we like to do. Brian, yeah, Brian, <laughs> that's Brian. right. The rib, ribs, the Brian. rib clock is ticking definitely here. Um, but you know, we always want to leave you with uh, some good practical bits of advice. And uh, I know Tom has uh, a good one this month. So, Tom, let's have it. All right. We were talking earlier about the demise of white horse gear, right? And uh, I'm sure every every now and then you buy stuff from Amazon. Of course, yeah, I do as well. Mm-hmm. But I want to remind people. That there is a lot of stuff available for motorcyclists that is not available through Amazon. And so it's a good idea to troll through everybody's websites and see what they have. Uh, Our tire repair kits, you cannot buy them on Amazon. That's right. Uh, anything that's exclusive by somebody, typically you can't buy it on Amazon. Uh, maybe you can, maybe you can't. But the the fact is, if like like to take for instance a tire repair kit. If you're looking for a tire repair kit, and you just jump on Amazon and buy the slime tire repair kit. Sure. That's like a bicycle tire repair. Yeah, you kit. Don't they want call that. it a motorcycle. Yep, I'm with you. That don't work. So you got to find out what else is out there. So um, I'm encouraging people to explore other. Motorcycle gear websites, and particularly this month, is probably a great month to get some special deals from Whitehorse Gear. Yes. They're not, they didn't pay me to say this, nope. but I'm just saying, when you think you need something for your bike, jump on to Whitehorse, Twisted Throttle, you name it. Start looking through and find out what else is out there. And sure, you want to price shop or try to get your free shipping and see if it's available on Amazon, but it may not be. Yeah. So. Well, and also too, you know, on that, not to get so you know all you know small business, pro small business, because there's room in this world for both. But also sometimes it's kind of nice to consider what the added value is there. Like when you buy something in the Soundwriter store, that also helps us get out and provide you some information on where to ride, how to ride better, and that kind of thing. So it helps know. us to maintain the computers here, yep. where all the files are stored for this show. You know, I had to replace a backup drive last month. No oh, fun stuff like that. Yep. Um, you know, there's there's a lot. You do a lot of good for us. When you buy something from right. us, and the same thing if you buy from Aerostitch or you buy from Tour Tech, uh, I, I don't know, you know, the big AMZN, sure. uh, they're probably not going to miss your money if you spend it with one of the smaller more specific guys yeah, like us. Absolutely. So just some food for thought there, but I think that's a uh, that's a great tip. And I also was on the Whitehorse website below, before we went on air today, and a lot of stuff is already 30% off on there, so – if you are looking for something, oh, deals. and it's just going to keep going yep. down. I mean, it's their it's a wholesale yeah. clearance, right? They're getting rid of everything because yeah. they'll go to forty and fifty percent on stuff. Yeah, particularly things that had the margin in them, like books and things like that, that have fifty percent right. margin. So. And if you don't buy it from them, you'll see it uh, back on Amazon from some reseller marked up ten uh, percent. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it'll be out there. But that's uh, that's a great point. Uh, mine is kind of it's a simple one, but it's 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 a little practical. I was walking uh, home from work the other day in downtown, and a, a gentleman on a, a sport touring bike. It uh, looked like it was probably a Yamaha. Um, he was riding down the street, and he was uh, in his full business attire. And he actually he pulled over to the side of the road and up on the sidewalk, coincidentally there. And he did that because his uh, helmet strap was not strapped and he was pulling over to restrap it a good idea yeah and it seems like a simple thing but uh, my tip for the month is to just kind of get yourself a basic uh, check self-check before you get on the bike i've done that a dozen times where i get on the bike and then all of a sudden i feel that helmet strap flapping in the wind 
and uh, you got to pull over, get your gloves off, and kind of dig in. So, you know, figure out a system just to take 60 seconds before you hop on, get yourself centered, make sure that everything is zipped up and latched, and then get out there and ride. And if you later find out that that helmet strap isn't strapped, don't be bashful. Pull over. Take a deep breath, pull over, and do it. Because particularly around downtown, yeah. you know, helmets do a lot of good if, you're, if you have uh, an incident that happens at low speed. True. Maybe they're not so good at high-speed crashes. Yeah. But they're good at low-speed crashes, and yep. so anything can happen. So, uh, you know, you're, you as a human being is more important than where you got to get to next. Yeah. And they also, helmets work really great, not just at low speeds, but they stay on your head. Yeah. You know, well, they don't launch off like a cannonball. And, and, uh, and I'd like to just give a special uh, uh, shout out to the guy that was driving through Fremont the other day with no helmet on. Uh, Put your helmet on, will you? Did he have uh, shorts and uh, Chuck, Chuck Taylor sneakers on as well? Yes, or, yeah. and he was talking to somebody in the other lane in a car. I think that person was probably telling him, hey, dude, you know, in Washington State, you got to wear a helmet. Yeah. But I don't know for sure. Get some good gear anyway. That's always a worthwhile investment. All right, folks, that's our show this month. We want you to ride safe. We want you to ride often. And we want you to come back next month and join us. On the Sound Rider Show. See you then. The Sound Rider Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on The Sound Rider Show. 